So good evening, everyone. And middle of the day for a few of us. It's good to see you all. Uh, Suzuki Roshi said, if you lose the spirit of repetition, your practice will become quite difficult. And he could have added, if you lose the spirit of repetition, your life will become quite difficult. So I wanted to talk about repetition and different ways we can work with it. There's, a, there's the repetitions that we have that we, we kind of take for granted, the rhythmic kind of repetitions related to the cycles of nature. You know, the, the sun rises and sets. When we get tired, we go to bed. When we're hungry, we, we eat. Uh, we breathe in and we breathe out. Uh, when we walk, we do one foot and then the other foot and then the other one again, and then the other one again. We have enormous numbers of repetitions that we uh, don't really notice very much. And some of them I think we do appreciate and some we just don't even notice. And maybe some we don't like so much. Uh, I was thinking about how going to bed at night, most of us I think are pretty happy about that prospect of going to bed at night. Even if we have trouble sleeping, there still is a general sense of like, oh good, it's that time. Uh, it's a repetition most of us seem to sort of like. Little children sometimes don't like it and it's interesting watching them resist going to bed, knowing that it won't take too many years for them to be very glad about that opportunity to go to bed. So there's these uh, repetitions that we take for granted there's also the repetitions that we choose. And I think these are the ones that Suzuki Roshi was referring to when he said, if we lose the spirit of repetition, our practice will become quite difficult. And they're the repetitions of things like turning up for Dharma talks, uh, getting up and going to the Zendo in the morning, or going to Zoom Zazen in the morning. Um, bowing, chanting, putting on the rakasu, putting on the robes. And during the process of sewing, which many people here have done, the repetition of the stitches, just stitch after stitch after stitch. So there's those sort of repetitions, the ones we choose in relation to our practice. And we have other repetitions that we choose in relation to daily life, which might be going to work, caring for children, uh, driving different places, paying bills, those repetitions that we choose, there's those repetitions. And then I think we also have repetitions that are kind of thrust upon us a little bit by, uh, by our our location in the world, wherever we happen to be, our sort of karmic conditions, the country we're in, the decade that we're in, the class that we're in, the gender that we are in, all of those things. 
uh, often result in repetitions that happen that we don't necessarily choose and, and some of them we don't like very much. I think historically those repetitions were related to the cycles of nature. They were to do with growing food uh, and those sort of like very sort of earthy, earth-related repetitions. But in modern culture, our repetitions that are thrust upon us that we don't necessarily like very much are more likely things to do with technology and bureaucracy. And uh, some of those can be hard or difficult family relations, difficult work relationships. So very human-oriented, human and technology, machinery-based. So the repetitions that are challenging for us have kind of changed over time for many of us. So the repetitions that uh, happen all the time, I think a way in which we can not lose the spirit of loving those repetitions is to be observant of them. So becoming more observant of the breath, not taking the sunrise and the sunset for granted, which people don't take those so much for granted. They're a bit more likely to take sort of the 10 a.m., 2 p.m. sun for granted. <laughs> so we could try not taking any part of the, the time that the sun is in the sky for granted. We could just like, oh, my God, I love that 9.45 a.m. sun. And look at that 3.25 p.m. sun. You know, we could just love the whole lot. So um, becoming more observant of those uh, sort of ubiquitous repetitions and enjoying them. And we see that in so many of the koans, the spirit of, of loving the repetition, you know. I think it's Yun Men, every day is a good day. There's many, many koans that speak to this appreciation of the ordinary things that repeat day after day after day. So becoming more observant, I think, is a way that we can maintain that spirit for the repetitive things. For the things that we choose, like bowing, coming to zazen, listening to dharma talks, putting on our robe, a way I think that we can really keep the spirit of that is to have confidence, confidence in ourselves that we are choosing them, confidence that we have, we have decided that we are going to bow, we have decided that we are going to zazen, We've decided to sow a rakasu. Uh, we've decided to memorize the chants, to have real confidence in that. And I think I first really got it um, captured by that word confidence when at the beginning of the pandemic, and I think it was Patrick that wrote our evening dedication and talked about the confidence of uh, sheltering, not sheltering, was it sheltering in place? Uh, yeah. The, the, in that part of our dedication around COVID, we talked about the confidence of staying at home and I thought that was just beautiful. Um, so cultivating confidence in the choices that we're making can help us appreciate the choices that we make. So rather than feeling slightly jaded or slightly irritated or resistance, resistant to the choice that we're making to get up when the, the alarm goes off to go to Zazen, we can cultivate confidence I'm doing this because I know this is beneficial to all beings for me to go to Zazen. Um, and then uh, with, with those repetitions that are a little 
challenging that we in many ways would like to not be there the repetitions of difficulties with all the things that i mentioned earlier bureaucracies family paperwork cell phones traffic money um, we can cultivate both an acceptance of them because here we are this is the life we are in these this this is the way we engage with the world now at this moment in history so an acceptance and a curiosity about them so that we don't uh, have a kind of glazed glazed eyes or dullened ears that we can stay receptive and interested and in even those sorts of uh, repetitive difficult things we don't want anything to ever be boring now boring is just not a good idea so whenever you feel a little feeling of boring it's good to notice that that is a very gentle form of resistance or even anger and to see if you can pull back from that and, and open up open up to a more curious a more more curiosity that's a good antidote to those feelings uh, i want to read this is an old book that i found that's been in storage here for a while and when i got back here i started looking at some of my old books and there's a story in here about repetition this is a Zen Flesh, Zen Bones, um, compiled by Paul Reps, I think in the 60s, so quite, quite old now. This one is called, it's number 19 of these stories, The First Principle. When one goes to Obaku Temple in Kyoto, one sees carved over the gate the words, The First Principle. The letters are unusually large, and those who appreciate calligraphy always admire them as being a masterpiece. They were drawn by Kozen 200 years ago. When the master drew them, he did so on paper, from which workmen made the large carvings in wood. So he, he, he did it in ink, and then the, the workers made a woodblock print from it and made a print of it. As Kozen sketched the letters, a bold pupil was with him who had made several gallons of ink for the calligraphy and who never failed to criticize his master's work. And I just want to say about several gallons of ink. I'm sure some of you have done calligraphy where you've ground the solid black block of ink with water onto the stone. It takes a really long time to make like a thimbleful of ink. <laughs> To make several, several gallons of ink, the repetition, the repetition of that would just be extraordinary. But the, the small number of times that I've done calligraphy, I've really enjoyed making that ink, spending 20 minutes or 30 minutes making the ink beforehand. It's very settling, very stabilizing. And I think it's really skillful that so many calligraphers don't take the shortcut of just using ink out of a container of course you can buy calligraphy ink now and just pour it but many calligraphers don't do that they they appreciate the repetition of grinding the ink and making the ink and stabilizing themselves in preparation so here this pupil had made several gallons of ink and the pupil said that is not good he told kozan after the first effort how is that that one Poor, worse than before, pronounced the pupil. 
Prozen patiently wrote one sheet after another until 84 first principles had accumulated, still without the approval of the pupil. Then when the young man stepped outside for a few moments, Kozen thought, now is my chance to escape his keen eye. And he wrote hurriedly with a mind free from distraction, the first principle. And the pupil said, a masterpiece. So this is an interesting story. Maybe there really was a very bold pupil who criticized Kozen's work. Maybe there was. But maybe the pupil is also Kozan himself examining his own work. And I think this story has two very beautiful messages in relation to repetition. One, that Kozan is repeatedly painting the first principle, writing the first principle, and he's examining it and criticizing it for not being quite good enough, which is nothing wrong with that. We need to be self-critical. So just in a healthy way, the repetition, ah, not quite good enough, not quite good enough, not quite good enough, not getting frustrated or bored by the not quite good enough, just still doing it, still doing it, still doing it, 84 times. But then a very interesting point is when the pupil stepped out, which we could also see is when our mind stopped um, cognizing, when the mind stopped thinking and the words stopped uh, going around in the head in that moment when the pupil stepped out, he did the perfect calligraphy. So in that, in that moment of the 85th one, it was the only calligraphy. It wasn't the 85th calligraphy. It was the only calligraphy and it was perfect. And that's the one that's been praised for hundreds of years since when it was turned into a woodblock. It's a lovely story of blending both the relative sense of repetition and the ultimate sense that there's no repetition anywhere. So I, I wrote a few notes about what, what gets in the way of our capacity to be confident in the repetitions that we choose. And in some ways, these are the most important repetitions because as practitioners, we have chosen the Zen path. We've chosen the path of doing Zazen and of studying scriptures and of chanting scriptures and of bowing, of lighting incense, of lighting candles, and caring for our zendo spaces. This is something that we have chosen. So how can we cultivate confidence in the repetition of that and not, uh, not feel doubt about that? And I was thinking about the five hindrances to Zazen and I think they apply. So the five hindrances to Zazen are um, sort of a desire and aversion, two sides of the same thing. But when we're in Zazen, we start wishing that we weren't that kind of thing, or when we're in Zazen, we wish the pain in our knee would go away, or that that we would have a more illuminating experience. So that's one that's one way I think that disrupts our confidence. Better if we just relax in Zazen, just don't worry about it. Just just be there. A bit like Kozan with that last painting. Just just do it. Don't judge it. Just do it. Um, anger, 
which I think most of uh, my, my guess is that most of us here don't really experience strong forms of anger, but much more subtle forms of anger like irritation and boredom. They're the subtle forms of anger. So noticing them, um, being observant of when they arise and just seeing if we can gently kind of be a good parent to ourselves and say, oh, that's just not very useful. Maybe I could try being a little more curious instead rather than being irritated. Um, we can also have feelings in Zazen of sleepiness, sort of maybe what, you know, like laziness. We just can't be bothered. Um, that can get in the way and get in the way of appreciating repetition too. We start to just wish that repetition wasn't happening and just feel all slumped about it. We can try and be confident like, no, this is a repetition I'm choosing. I'm choosing this life with all these repetitions in it and try and just rise up to it with a little more confidence that it's of benefit, not just to ourselves, but to all beings, these repetitions. These repetitions we're choosing are very sacred. They've been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. And good for us to cultivate real confidence in those repetitions that they that they both serve a purpose in that they do mature and deepen us, but just in and of themselves, right in the very moment of them, they are being of benefit. And restlessness is also another thing that gets in the way of our confidence in Zazen. We can just notice the restlessness, see if we can breathe our way through it. And I think the thing that's probably well, for me, I would say it's the most challenging or has been in the past is doubt. Doubt in myself, doubt in the practice. I think that might be the most corrosive barrier to cultivating confidence is self-doubt and doubt in the practice. So again, with that, to simply become aware of it, that's the first step. We have to become aware of it and then see if we can just gently say, this is not helpful right now. Let me put that a little bit to the side and see if I can just return to cultivating more confidence. Maybe by looking at our ancestors, looking at their confidence. And they, I'm sure, did deal with doubt. We've got many stories of, of ancestors dealing with doubt, but they ended up pushing through that doubt and cultivating confidence for the benefit of all of us. Um, and so then with the uh, repetitions that are kind of more thrust upon us, let me just see how I'm doing for time. Okay. But the repetitions that have been thrust upon us, it's important for us to cultivate acceptance. And as has been spoken about many times, acceptance is not a kind of passive acceptance. It's not, it's not a passive acceptance. Acceptance blended with curiosity is, is very energetic. It, it, it frees us from the resistance. Like the, the mental effort of resisting saps us of the energy that we need to be a benefit to the world. So acceptance of things as it is in this very moment just in this moment, I accept things as they are. Everything that's got to right now, I accept because I can't change it. It's the past kind of meeting now. I accept it. And then from this point, I might do something to try and change things. But before I 
take an action to try and change something, the only way to be really effective is to be accepting of the moment you've got to first. It's a, it's a subtle and difficult thing to sometimes do to accept what cannot be changed, which is basically everything that's already happened to this very exact moment. And then from that spot, we can be curious. And with that curiosity, we can be creative. And then we can, we can change things sometimes. And other times we can't. And the times that we can't, they're the repetitions because we can't change them, so they repeat. It might be difficult family relations, no matter how hard we try to improve a relation with somebody. We can't. We try one way, we try another way. Uh, no matter how many times maybe we try to memor memorize a sutra, we just can't seem to do it. We keep trying, we just keep failing. But that's okay, we just keep trying and we keep failing. And I think if we have this spirit of acceptance and curiosity, sometimes, almost miraculously, things do actually start to shift and change. And maybe we find our relationships do improve. Or maybe our ability to memorize does improve. Or our ability to bow without touching the floor with our hands as we come up. You know, maybe some people have been trying that for years. No matter how hard they try, they can't develop the quite quite the strength or quite the the form to be able to step up that way without touching the ground. But we could try doing that, and maybe one day we'll do it, and that will be really kind of joyful. And then the next time we just don't have the abdominal strength or the leg strength to do it, and that's okay too. I had another thing I'd like to read. And seeing what else I might have written down here. Okay, so this is the record of Tung Shan, translated by William Powell. It's a, a series of short, short sort of dialogues of Tung Shans, and there's a lot of them. Let's see how many. Over a hundred. So this is number five. Tung Shan said to Yun Men. I have some habits that are not yet eradicated. Yunyan said, what have you been doing? Tung Shan replied, I've not concerned myself with the four noble truths. Yunyan said, are you joyful yet? Tung Shan said, it would be untrue to say that I am not joyful. It is as though I have grasped a bright pearl in a pile of shit. So I think I'll need to unpack this a little bit for you guys. I had to unpack it for myself, reading some of the footnotes and so on. So when he says, I have some habits that are not yet eradicated, I think the reason I picked this in relation to this talk is we all have habits of mind. You know, we have all sorts of different habits. And those habits of mind, because they're repetitive habits, by definition, they're, self, they're a little self-limiting. Like if we have a habit of looking on the right side of the road as we walk down it, then that habit means we're not looking at the left side of the road as we walk down it. But we have the habit of looking at people in a particular light, looking for their shortcomings, then we're not going to see their strengths. Or if we look at people 
in comparison to ourselves and and think of them as superior or inferior to us then we're not seeing the other side so habits by themselves uh, can be a little problematic they're not bad it's just good for us to notice them and i think it's also a nice creative process to 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 play with your habits a little bit and try sometimes to do something different it can just be anything the way you cook your meals uh, the way you walk home it's good practice sometimes just to to uh, play play a little bit with our habits so he says i have some habits that are not yet eradicated and Yunyan says Yunyan says what have you been doing and he says i've not concerned myself with the four noble truths so i had to sort of look at the footnotes and get a sense of what that might be about because certainly he wouldn't be criticizing the four noble truths they're the original teaching of the buddha but what he might be saying is sometimes we think of the early teachings of the buddha as being sort of step-by-step -step sequential teachings you do one thing and then you build upon that then you build upon that then you build upon that and i wrote a note here one way you could understand what he's saying is he's not worrying about steps and stages he's wanting to go straight to the point so that would be one way of understanding when he said i have not come concerned myself with the four noble truths instead he's saying i'm not worrying about steps and stages i'm going straight to it straight to the point and union says checking him on that are you joyful yet and then he says in a kind of you could say a modest way a humble way it would be untrue to say that it would be untrue to say that i'm not joyful which we see so often in zen writings we have to sort of unpack the double negative so he's saying yeah yeah i'm joyful but he's not saying it loudly he's saying it would be untrue to say i'm not joyful i love that how it's so often there in the stories it is as though i grasped a bright pearl in a pile of shit so there's that immediacy of appreciating just exactly what's arising in front of us just that pure appreciation of the bright pearl right in whatever's happening whatever it is it's a pile of shit it's a hard day it's a sickness it's covid it's not enough money it's whatever it is to see the bright pearl in that and repetitions are a real opportunity for us to see the bright pearl in the repetition because it's one of the places that we so easily don't and that's why i decided to talk about this to see if we can see that bright pearl in the repetitions i think we might finish there so that there's time for questions and answers uh let's do the finishing verse and then i think there'll be announcements and then q a and if it's okay patrick i'd like to just record it all the way through uh because it's nice to to have the questions and answers in there um, so thank you may our intention equally extend to every being in place with the true merit of buddha's way beings are numberless i vow to save them delusions are inexhaustible i vow to end them 
Dhamma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to become it.